evening. Welcome. Hello. Uh, this is Angie, the Undeniable Vixen, and welcome for being Black and Craft, where we don't apologize for recognizing our influence on craft beer. And we have a special guest tonight, but also wanted to remind you that we are uh, live on Facebook as well as YouTube. Facebook being, excuse me, Black and Craft and YouTube being Black and Craft. So even if you don't get to see us live live, you can always go back and watch us on the replays. And of course, the next day, the podcast is always available. Um, I think... I think that I have been here since I came back from Austin. Yes, and great things are still happening. I I believe that one of the biggest church announcements that I have uh, that I did post was uh, I have taken the role and responsibility of being the communications director of Pink Boots, um, Pink Boots Society International. And uh, I'm going to be the communications director. I'm still getting into that role as well as kind of alleviating myself from some other roles because I had been the president of the North Texas chapter. So we have Ara that's uh, holding the helm. She's holding it down now, along with um, Z, she's Zenora. She's uh, new to the community, but I believe they will make a great team and they'll do really, really great, wonderful things. And I'll still also be the um, volunteer coordinator for pink boots. So since we're out of dry January and everything, it's time to open a beer. So I have Petticola's Irish Goodbye, which is a, um, it's a Irish red ale. And from the crazy day that I have with conference calls and stuff like that, I can use a drink. But um, one thing that I wanted to do for Black History Month is we're going to kind of talk about a couple of things uh, during the month. And so I decided to do a series, which is going to be called Sipping Legacy, Unveiling Our Black History Series with the Brewmaster's Journey from Diaspora to Glass. So we're going to basically just kind of go through some different ingredients that are indigenous to us as a people and just kind of go into seeing what's going on with those different those different products. So since we were going to be talking to eat, drink, Kinko, uh, or is, is it Kiko? Kiko? It's, uh, it's Kiko. Yep. Eat, eat drink, yeah. Kiko is just like our um, Instagram handle because this Kiko was taken. <laughs> so since we have our illustrious guests, we're going to talk about rice. That's going to be our first one. So um, I have a little bit of a blurb on that that I want to share with y'all. So, uh, in the rich tapestry of the African diaspora, rice has transcended its role in mere staple food to become a central element in the creation of distinctive beverages that carry the flavors and stories of diverse communities. From the shores of West Africa to the Caribbean islands and beyond, the use of rice in traditional drinks reflects the resilience, creativity, and cultural fusion, fusion within these uh, communities. So one such beverage is sorrel, a popular and vibrant drink carried uh, carried and enjoyed in the Caribbean cultures, especially during festival seasons. Sorrel is made with hibiscus petals, spices, and notably rice. 
the addition of rice to sorrel recipes adds a unique texture and depth to the beverage, symbolizing the fusion of African, indigenous, and colonial influences. So in West Africa, the tradition is ogi, O-G-I, or pap, P-A-P, and that represents a culturally significant rice-based beverage. Ogi is a fermented porridge made from rice or maize, and it serves as a nourishing drink with deep roots in Nigerian and Guyanan cultures, often uh, enjoyed as a breakfast dish. Ogi embodies the communal aspects of food and drink, fostering connections in the diasporic communities. But in the southern United States, uh, particularly in the Gullah community or Gullah Gullah Islands, if you're familiar with that, sweet rice mix, excuse me, sweet rice milk is cherished is a cherished beverage made from simmering rice with water, sweeteners, and spices. This comforting drink reflects the historical legacies of rice cultivation by enslaved Africans. It, it symbolizes a connection with ancestral roots and endurance of cultural practices and generations. So that's just, just a couple of little tidbits about um, rice and how we are connected to rice. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, uh, I know they talked about Goa, the area which is like in the Carolinas, but I'm really surprised and maybe I, or maybe I just don't know because my mother is from um, Louisiana that we don't have some type of fermented beverage or maybe uh, I need to kind of dig a little bit deeper to find if that if that's such a thing. So that's our first topic of sipping into that Um that culture of our culture, as far as using those ingredients, rice. So that's why I thought it would be perfect. So I'm just going to go ahead and segue in to introduce our illustrious guest, Josh Kinko. And uh, with Eat, Drink, Kinko. So you are, are you a native of D.C.? Um, I grew up, I would say I'm a native of the DMV. I've spent, um, okay. I've spent, time in uh, Fairfax, Virginia with my youth. Um, went to high school in Prince George's County. Um, and now I've lived in DC probably for uh, over 10 years now. So I would say I've lived in all of the DMV. So you say you're youth and you look like a smooth 25. <laughs> I am not 25. You know, black doesn't shot. Black doesn't No, it don't. No, it don't. So <laughs> So that's really cool. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, lots of people that are in the DMV, um, and I'm sure that they have come across, but it, or if they haven't, soon they will because they'll know that you exist. So tell me um, from what I was looking at, um, you know, when I'm scrolling through Instagram, loving Jesus like I do, you know, I happen up on your page. And from what I could see, the story was the food was first and then the beverage came. So are you the chef by trade or you just kind of came in there? How did this kind of spring out? Um, yeah, so it was actually the, the drink came first okay. um, and then um, food kind of we realized that um, food and drink are, are interconnected. Um, you can't have one without the other. And it made more sense um, for our storytelling to kind of um, also have a uh, food aspect onto it. Um, but yeah, it was a drink first. Um, me and my business partner, we're working in a ramen restaurant and a lady mm -hmm. asked us for a uh, flavored sake. Um, we didn't have anything like that. Um, so it was a slow rainy Monday. So I went to the back, kind of 
whipped up something. I mixed sake with some yuzu, some lemon juice. Uh, yuzu mm. is a Japanese citrus, kind of like a mandarin and a grapefruit. And um, I let her try it and she loved it. Everyone at the table loved it. Everyone ended up ordering it. I let some coworkers try that um, mix and they were like, oh, you should look into bottling it. Um, I wish I didn't know how complicated um, or I wish I did know how complicated it was going to be or I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> um, so that was in 2019 um, okay. when we first uh, came up with that. Um, that was the original, uh, come up with the original recipe. And then um, all these years we've been, you know, we had to work with the food scientists and find the right bottle. And it's uh, just been a long road. But yeah, that's a little bit uh, into the origin of uh, Kiko. So did anyone wonder like, what, how is this black man doing sake? <laughs> how, how many heads turn from that? Not that, you know, we do everything, right. but some initial kind of reactions. Did you just, I mean, it was just basically out of a need, just trying to, to please, you know, doing your best at customer service. But after the fact, after you decided that, I think we're gonna do this for real. How 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 was that observed from people? Um, you being uh, in you know doing sake basically. I remember our first event. Um, it was called uh, Ramen World in 2019. Um, that was really our first time kind of uh, showing our product to the world. Um, ramen World is kind of like a ramen expo in DC. They used to do it every year before mm. COVID, but it hasn't happened again. Um, but basically it's over um, 500 people and um, every different ramen, different ramen restaurants in the city have their own booth and we had our own booth. And um, I remember uh, some of the looks we got because <laughs> um, my business partner, he's Dominican, he's not Asian. Um, he's basically, basically, we're both not Asian. And um, mm -hmm. I remember some looks we would get, you know, but um, those looks would change after they tasted the product um, and realized it was good. Mm -hmm. um, I think one benefit that we have is that, um, you know, I've most of my culinary uh, career, I've worked in Asian restaurants. So it's not like, um, you know, it's not like I'm just in it to get a quick buck. Um, and through, you know, working in Asian restaurants for most of my, you know, culinary career, um, it's guided me to build these connections in the DC area. Um, with these people and I've known these people, you know, for over 10 years and they know that I'm actually, um, you know, in, in the culture, I'm, uh, you know, I've, I know how to make ramen and I've worked at ramen restaurants, worked at Vietnamese restaurants and things of that nature. So it's not like, um, yeah, so it's not, I, I feel less of an outsider. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the, the ramen world event, um, the embassy of Japan was there, um, and they tasted our product and they liked, um, they actually like thanked me. They were like, um, thank you for showing our spirit in a different light. Um, because, you know, mostly usually people associate sake with um, sushi or usually you drink it hot. And our old mission was just kind of showing it in a different way that it can be a really great base for spirits and uh, different cocktails. And um, they thanked us um, for showing the sake in a different light. And that gave us, you know, all the fuel we needed to kind of keep on going through this uh, long um, and stressful process. So I'm wondering with uh, you making this 
cocktail. So are you starting with the base of just a regular sake and then adding the flavors to it? And how many variations do you have right now? Right, we're starting with the um, a base um, of a Jumai sake. Um, so Jumai, um, the translation is basically like a pure clean sake. It, um, it only uses uh, water, rice, um, and koji to make it. Koji is the mold that, um, it's a rice mold that, that's used to make um, ferment and make sake. Um, and then we worked with the food scientists to get our product um, shelf stable um, because there's, you know, there's fresh citrus juice in the original recipe. And of course, we wanted to be able to sit outside or sit on the shelf um, and not have to be refrigerated. So we worked with the food scientists on that. And um, right now we just have two uh, skews or different flavors um, announced. Um, we have the sake lemonade, which is the more approachable one. That's the original recipe, um, with, which uses yuzu juice. And then it's funny that you brought up the hibiscus um, sorrel. We have um, hibiscus one um, that's influenced by sorrel. Um, oh, nice. Because we're always, you know, trying to find um, different points to connect, um, you know, cultures and people together. Because, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that... Um, Sorrel sometimes can use rice, and um, and I saw that, and I saw that connection that um, sake is made with rice. So I was like, we should um, figure out a way to you know fuse these um, things together. Um, so our sorrel is um, has hibiscus, ginger, cinnamon, a um, little bit of allspice, but it's still um, light and um, refreshing. Um, and then we have two other um, products um, that's on the back end. We're just um, focusing on the first two. Um, I guess maybe I'll, I'll go ahead and mention the other ones that were um, are in development. Well, um, now, don't give out the secrets if you, if you if you don't feel comfortable. It's 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 cool. Okay. 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 Um, yeah, we have a um, a sake matcha mule, um, which is Ooh. in development. So it's gonna be sake, um, ginger beer, um, and matcha, and basically um, that connecting factor. I was like, oh. Japanese culture uses a lot of ginger. Um, everybody basically uses ginger. Um, African mm -hmm. culture uses a lot of ginger. So I was like, that could be a cool way um, to mix those two together. And then also, um, you know, keep, I'm always, when, that's what I do when coming up with new flavors, just trying to find dots to connect. And then the other one that we have, um, it probably won't come out for a while because it's, uh, it's a very complicated process, but it's a sake horchata. Ooh. And so also just finding that connection of rice, like, you know, um, horchata, the roots can be traced all the way back to um, North Africa. Um, and then, you know, horchata is big in Latino culture. And, um, right. and of course, rice is huge in Japanese culture. So that brings it all together. Um, but that it's a really long process of infusing the sake with fresh rice, fresh cinnamon, and blending it. It's a, it's a long process. It's one that um, at some of our events, we'll break it out bring it out for special events um, just mm -hmm. to kind of still get feedback. But um, that one's on the back burner. That sounds interesting. So do you think that that's going to be something that's just like specialty for for the holidays? Because that's when it usually comes out around November, December. Um, until we can get a, a shelf stable version, um, I think, yeah, it'll just be kind of like at um, some of our pop ups and events um, around the city. We'll just bring out a little bit. Um, just to still get feedback and uh, tone in on the recipe. Okay. And what, like, on average is the um, 
the ABV for the sake. Like here's uh, the lemonade compared to the horchata, or, or are they pretty much the same? They're all clocking in around eight to ten percent. So okay. I always I always tell people to watch out because yeah. uh, <laughs> the ABV is around. It, it, you know that's around like an um, IPA or double IPA mm -hmm. uh, kind of ABV, but it doesn't taste like it. And um, definitely been like in meetings with potential investors, and they're drinking in like juice. And I'm like, hey, slow down. They're like, no, no, it's, it's not that strong. And then they uh, they, um, they stand up and it goes straight to their head. Um, definitely had a potential investor drink four in one sitting. And I was like, watch out. And he was like, yeah, you, he was like, you didn't tell me he was going to get me drunk. I said, hey, it's 8%. Like, yeah. you, you, wouldn't chug four, you wouldn't chug four IPAs. So why would you chug four right. days, you know? <laughs> Just because it looks dainty doesn't mean it can't be dangerous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious because you're thinking oh this is just lemonade it's it's fine it's fine and uh yeah you've had four and then you're like i need to uber home now right <laughs> and drink a lot of water so so you said that you have things on the shelf do you have something in store like at a total wine near you or at some other like mom and pop stores or is it just at the um the ramen restaurant yeah, so we were being, um, last summer we were um, in a few stores um, around the DMV, and the issue was we weren't able to make enough to um, keep up with demand and to make it um, financially stable, um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, yeah. only only being able to sell 10 cases a week or produce, I'm just, I'm just saying the numbers, for example, only yeah. being able to make 10 cases a week isn't uh, really profitable. Um, so we... Um, stop selling it at stores, and now we are um, in negotiating with a, um, a brewery in D.C., um, so we're going to be switching over to cans, and um, they're going to be able to produce at the volume that allow us to scale and actually um, make a profit. So right now we're just um, negotiating um, that deal and going back and forth with the brewery on the details, and... Um, we're actually going to be switching to a different base sake. This sake is going to be um, coming straight from Japan. Um, oh, nice. Before, the base of our sake was made in California, um, but we found a sake importer um, that's going to import sake um, in from Japan. So it's just a lot of moving parts right now. Mm. And that's, that sake, is, that base sake is actually going to be a higher um, ABV as well. Um, so the sake lemonade might bump up um, one or two percentage points Maybe we okay. definitely uh, watch out for that too. Um, <laughs> so, tell me more about um, you and your partner. Or you know, how how did y'all get together? Were y'all friends before? Or did y'all just kind of uh, fall into each other with uh, getting that that uh, that kind of epiphany of the sake uh, cocktail? So he he was actually my boss um, at the ramen restaurant. Um, that's how we met. Yeah, he was the general manager there. And um, he saw that I was working on this, and then um, we decided to team up on it. Okay, so he, so he, kinda, he saw the need. He saw, he saw the vision. He was able to vision, get it. Right. <laughs> so you talked about a couple, several of the um, versions of um, the sake cocktail that you're going to make. What with you know 
sky, sky's the limit. Money is not an object. What would be the most wildest flavor that you would love to try? Ooh. Mm. That's a good question. Um, The first thing that came to my head was maybe like a... Uh, <laughs> Like a uh, a savory uh, sake cocktail, mm -hmm. um, so maybe like some kind of version of like a uh, a martini or something, a sake martini. Okay, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, because um, uh, I wonder how you could make it dirty, <laughs> make it like into a dirty sake uh, martini bomb or something like that. So yeah, that sounds cool. Okay. Yeah, olive, I think olive juice is pretty shelf stable, so that could maybe that could kind of be easy. I may about to write that one on the. Uh, See, <laughs> thank you for that. You're welcome. That's one of my favorite. I I love vodka, so um, that's something that's uh, always near and dear to my heart. I always have vodka at home, so, but I'm a Bloody Mary girl. But martinis are pretty darn good too. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> more olive juice the better, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So um, where would you like to branch out if you, if you, everything is kind of coming together, you're going to switch over to cans, which is going to be more stable, of course. Um, and you're, you would be in the DMV. What would be the next uh, city that you would like to kind of in, have people introduce to eat, drink, kinko? Um, I think if money wasn't an issue of, of course, LA, um, because, you know, LA just has like, you know, a big Asian population and a mm -hmm. big, um, Asian popular Asian food scene there. Um, I think the product would really do well, um, over mm -hmm. there. Um, logistically speaking, I think New York would be the next move because there's, there's just so many different restaurants you could sell to in a, in a short mile uh radius so i would say mm -hmm. would be a logical move but um you know we're still focusing just focusing on the dmv because um i think we can you know we can do really well just in the in the dmv um you know there's a, definitely there's a bunch of breweries that only sell in dmv and are doing uh quite quite well so um yeah definitely just want to focus on the dmv for right now okay that sounds really great um yeah i know that uh, one of the guests that we're going to have, and I don't know if you went or not, um, the Soul Mega Festival. Were you, have have you heard of that or been a part of that? Yeah, we were. We had a booth at the uh, this most recent one. Okay, great. How was that experience? Oh, it was it was great. Um, it was great meeting people that were um, that looked like me that were like into craft beverage. Mm -hmm. um, Kind of felt like an outsider a little bit because it was all mostly beer there, um, yeah. but, I, but I think that helped us uh, stand out. And um, you know, it's always good getting feedback from people, um, mm -hmm. and the response was great. I think we ran out. Of, we ran a sake. I think maybe like an hour or two hours before um, the wow. event ended, we ran out. People kept coming back for more. Oh, that's good. That's a real good sign. Very right. good. Sign. <laughs> that lets me know that. Uh, we're on to something. So I always love events like that where you're meeting people that you usually 
you're meeting people outside of your bubble because mm-hmm. um, that's always you know that's always the goal you know to meet new people and get outside of the bubble that people that already know about us and to um introduce sake to people that um usually don't drink it so yeah it was it was a great experience i'm thankful that we were able to be a part of it yeah yeah i'm um hoping that uh no not hoping i know i have it scheduled i'm gonna go and uh check out so mega that's right around my birthday uh that's in my birthday month but right around my birthday so i wanted to go and check it out because i've been going to um barrel and flow for the past going on four years uh in uh, pittsburgh and it's it's a lot of beer it's a lot of uh spirits everything anything that you can imagine is there and uh i you know if if you by chance have time to do that to even go just as a participant but definitely as a um as a vendor you would you would really they would really 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 appreciate that uh alternative uh because there are people that go that are some are beer drinkers some are not as big beer drinkers but it's for the culture they love you know going somewhere where you see everywhere you turn it's like family right it's like so yeah, I implore you to uh, check that out if you haven't heard of it before. Yeah, I've but, heard of it. Um, I'll definitely have to Google that and see yeah, how I can be a part of that. Yeah, the, he's. Um, they're just doing now um, early bird tickets. So uh, yeah, you check it. Check them out. So one of the um, one other question that I had because I love ramen. So I want to find out because I feel like you are a ramen expert <laughs> more than me. So I'm gonna let's see if I can um, ask you questions uh, as far as what your uh, preference is. So for your broth, do you want it um, just a broth? Do you want it creamy or not so creamy? I think I want like uh, what is called a uh, shinton broth. Which is mm-hmm. going to be uh, a light, a lot more lighter um, and delicate. Okay. Uh, basically, like the process of a shinton broth is, um, you're never really letting your bones uh, get to a boil. You're kind of just simmering it for six hours, and you're constantly the whole time um, skimming the fat off, off mm-hmm. the top of it. And just it's a very light and delicate soup, and you can really, um, you know, get that real um, whatever bones you're using. If you're using chicken bones, you're going to get that real delicate chicken flavor or if you're using pork, you're going to get that nice, delicate uh, pork flavor. So I would say that uh, shenton, uh, like delicate broth. So are you more of a um, meat kind of um, kind of um, chicken or pork or do you do more seafood? Um. I actually struck struck out and got bad luck. I'm actually allergic to seafood, so. Uh, <laughs> oh no! So by default, I'm uh, on the meat side. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, um, what is like your basic bowl? Your go-to bowl? Like, if you were making something or you're going to a restaurant, um, what would be your basically? 
the base as far as your meats and attitude added items in your ramen yeah i was i'll probably go keep it traditional and probably do a, a pork broth uh base um and then the flavor of it would be a shoyu which is basically mm -hmm. basically like a soy sauce flavor um, it's just gonna have like a deep rich um uh, soy sauce flavor to it and toppings you know you got to have the ramen the gooey ramen egg on top got to have mm -hmm. some seaweed um i like nimma which is um bamboo shoots on there and then um i know which can be polarizing but um i, I really like corn in my ramen i know there's a lot of people that don't like corn mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. i like corn <laughs> like just corn that's off the cob just corn it's corn off the cob yep just corn i don't think I know I it sounds weird but you know when you scoop it up in your spoon you're getting like your broth flavored corn it's it's actually uh it's actually really good but i know there are people out here that hate corn but I like corn. No, I, I love corn, but I don't think I've ever had it in my ramen before. Um, I'll have to look out for that and see if I've ever seen that even like offered. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if, you're, if you're in DC, the ramen shop, Takaya, where, where we used to work for, they um, they offer corn in, the, in their ramen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're ever in DC, check them out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be coming. Well, fingers crossed. I'm I'm supposed to be going to um someone has a uh it's turning 40 in March and I really hope that I get to go and uh hang out. Um and I know I have several people that are big ramen fanatics like me. So uh wow, corn, okay. So what else? What is like your top thing that you you gotta have? And what and what thing that like please do not put this in my ramen? Um of course think don't put seafood in my ramen. <laughs> yeah, yes, but, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um I like a good I like good pork belly. Um mm. nice pork belly um in my ramen. Um surprisingly adding butter to your ramen. I know it's not the healthiest thing, but uh Adds a nice little creamy uh, texture to it, you know. Um, so, am so I gonna be able to ask people? Say, uh, can you give me like a little <laughs> butter for my ramen? Because th this is this is something new again. At, at the Kaya, at the Kaya, you can do it. They have butter as an extra topping. So when you come to DC, yeah, just just ask them. They'll they'll definitely butter <laughs> on the menu as an extra topping. Wow. Okay. And I I could see that being nice and creamy because that's that I think that's why um I I like things that are more creamy as far as my ramen so that's why I was wondering um because you were liking more you know it seems like more traditional but you're putting that creaminess um back into it well, yeah back into it but you're doing it at your level mm -hmm. which I can I can appreciate that that's very it, cool. And I have a theory that butter makes everything taste better. I've been put on, it I would put butter on something and it didn't, and it didn't taste better. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, excuse me. So, I guess one of the last questions that I have for you is: you are somewhere where you're having the per your perfect ramen, and you have your drink. Who would you like to share that with, living or dead? Ooh, ooh, that's a that's a good one. 
the very first person that came to my head is Obama. Mm -hmm. That was the first person that came to my head. And why do you why why would you like to go in? Why would you like to share some ramen with Obama? Um, by his playlist, he comes out with every day. I think he has some really good music taste. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. We could talk about some music um, and definitely want to, you know, hear the uh, the real version of his story, you know, not the, uh, you know, the media cleaned up version. I think we can maybe have a couple beers or a couple sake lemonades yeah. and, uh, and have a good time. Um, actually, the ramen shop I used to work at, Malia Obama came and I had to uh, serve uh, Malia Obama. And it was uh, okay. probably one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done in my life. Ah, uh, was she there? By she was with the group, of course, probably. She was with the group, um, but as soon as she like walked in, the whole restaurant just like got quiet. Oh wow! And then started like staring, and then anytime I would go to her table, every the restaurant would just get quiet, and everyone would just like just stare and see what was going to happen. Wow. And then like how, I would, how wild would that be? I, I don't know if I'd be able to take to take that. Yeah, you know? I could barely take it, <laughs> and it wasn't me. Right, and I, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, as far as like you serving, like, you know, ooh. but yeah, wow. I'm I'm sure she was very gracious and everything, but yeah, yeah she was nice, but I was clearly shaking. <laughs> oh no. Because you know, like her security is just staring at you, and it's like, right. I, you're like, don't I don't want to go out like this. Yeah, <laughs> no, no fast movements, <laughs> you know. Yes, was there any, did you have any other because you are in DMV? Did you have any other brushes, uh, with um, celebrity? Um, hmm. top of my head. None that I can remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, I think Malia definitely uh, takes the cake. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a very uh, polarizing evening. Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine. Well, Josh, I really thank you for everything. Thank you for telling me more about Adrian Kinko. Uh, and um, I think that this is really, really something different um, coming from uh, BIPOC uh, culture, infusing those um, Asian references as far as like, and using also yours as far as your background and, and our culture and meshing those two together for uh, something that's really, really going to be popular in the DMV. And um, I'm thinking that, or I'm hoping that by the time that it's in cans, that maybe it might be, you know, able to ship or get close to somewhere where I can yeah. get it, get a hold of it. But yeah, that's really, really great. And I'm, I hope that you have continued success. It sounds like you're well on your way and doing great things. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on. This was this is this is my second podcast interview. So this was this was fun. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> so yeah. Um, again, uh, thank you again, uh, Josh. We are 
have some things lined up, like as I said, for uh, being black and craft for the rest of the month. We're going to continue to talk about ingredients that are uh, part of our culture that we are using in beverages. Stay tuned for that, as well as showing up on um, YouTube, being black and craft, as well as Facebook. We're going to be live uh, black and craft every Monday at 7 p.m. Central. And if you can't catch us live, you can always listen to the podcast that will be loaded up on Tuesday. So again, my name is Angie, the Undeniable Vixen. And thank you for uh, thank you for being here with Being Black and Craft, where we don't apologize for recognizing our influence on craft beer. Y'all have a great night and a wonderful week. All right. Thank you. Thanks again. All right.